Welcome to a Royal Rumble recap podcast on the IB Sports podcast feed. Uh, myself and my co-host for the day, uh, Ronnell, is going to be joining me in just a second. We are going to break down the Royal Rumble from uh, on uh, last night. Sorry, everything is still a little crazy. I, I'm sure that you have spent most of your day in the last 24 hours, uh, you know, thinking and talking about Kobe Bryant. He is still on my mind. Uh, it definitely put a little bit of a damper in the um, in the the pay per view last night. It just seemed as though um, everybody was still thinking about Kobe. Um, I'm going to let RC and some of the other guys who are uh, probably a little bit more poetic speaking on the subject. I'm sure they will do a podcast and in great terms give their thoughts on it, but this being the first podcast on the feed uh, after the, uh, you know, the sudden death of Kobe, I just thought we'd at least mention it. But today we're going to be talking about WWE, the Royal Rumble 2020. Um, it was from Houston, Texas, Minute Maid Park. I, I did not hear, and I'll have to let somebody else uh, let me know. I didn't hear any jokes that I expected to from WWE when it came to the cheating scandal uh, with the Astros, considering that was, you know, where they play. But uh, it was a pretty good pay-per-view, and uh, we'll get into it in detail in a few minutes. But it was honestly ironic that it was the tale of two different rumbles in the sense that I thought the men's was very good. The women's was uh, – it was okay. Uh, but the men's was also, in a lot of people's opinion, also a tale of two rumbles. I personally really liked the first half with Brock Lesnar dominating and throwing guys uh, over the top rope left and right. Uh, other people have not been so on board with that. Uh, but I, I don't care who you are. You have to say the second half of it was really good. And uh, it, it was something to be seen. Uh, Ron Al, are you there? All right, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. I'm trying to get my co-host uh, up and running. Just to go real quickly through the, the card that we're going to go through, we're going to discuss Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin's False Count Anywhere match, which started uh, basically the pay-per-view off. This is the first match of the night. Then they had the women's rumble, uh, and then we had several title matches. You had Bailey versus uh, Sasha. Uh, excuse me, Bailey versus Lacey Evans. You had the strap match with Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend, Becky versus Oscar for the the women's title, and the men's rumble winner. But Ronell, I, I see. I think that you are in there now. Are you are there, buddy? Yes, I am. Sorry about that. Awesome. Oh, no, dude, do not apologize. Uh, I, I just was basically starting the podcast, and if you want to say anything, I kind of started off just talking for a second about Kobe Bryant. I felt like that in some ways it had an effect on last night's pay-per-view. Uh, the entire world, I think, was just a little depressed at somebody who was so great and such an artist in their sport to be taken away kind of so tragically and so young that I did feel like, especially early in the pay-per-view, the crowd seemed a little bit out of it, 
and I think that played yeah, a role. Definitely. And I just, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, say that obviously I'm going to let RC and guys that are a little bit more poetic, I'm sure they're going to do a podcast on Kobe here on uh, the next week or two. But just obviously thoughts and prayers go out to his family uh, and, you know, all of Laker and Kobe Nation. Absolutely, absolutely. I am a huge Kobe fan. Um, been a Laker fan my entire life, so um, I still haven't. I couldn't even turn on my television yet. I can't watch any coverage or anything um, because I, I still like. In as much as it's hurt, it still hasn't sunk all the way in that like he's really gone. It's, it's just it's amazing, and you definitely like. I was watching the pre-show this morning for the Rumble. And you can just see that even with the crowd, when they would turn and ask, hey, how you guys doing, is nobody was really all that lively. So you can definitely tell it had its effects everywhere. And if nothing else, that shows sort of the legacy of, you know, the man and athlete that Kobe Bryant was, that it was this far outreaching. But, you know, luckily we did have the Royal Rumble to kind of take our mind off of it. I know I spent all day yesterday kind of thinking about that and, you know, bigger questions than we're here to talk about on a wrestling podcast. But uh, it was definitely good to have something to kind of take your mind off of it. We're just going to go through each match, uh, kind of give our thoughts, and uh, we'll keep it simple. So we'll start off with the, the opener of the – I'm sorry, for those that have not listened to any wrestling podcast, we don't talk about the pre-show. Like, I enjoy it. If there's something really interesting, it's one thing, but – if they're not even going to call it the main show, we're not going to talk about it. So we got right. Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin and a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, Roman would end up winning by spearing Corbin on top of the Astros dugout. Uh, I personally thought it was a great opening match. The biggest thing to me to take out of this match is the fact that these are two of the best guys on the roster, and I mean in the sense that not they're the best technicians or they're the best wrestlers or even necessarily the best talkers, even though I think Corbin is a great talker. Uh, They're just great at their role. Roman knows that he's basically the guy right now, and he needs to be that person, and, you know, he's going to be doing media and all the other stuff, and he, like, consistently puts on good matches in the ring, something I don't hear enough people talking about. And then Baron Corbin is just fantastic at being a heel it is not a coincidence that a lot of the biggest face pushes in the last year, year and a half have came right after feuding with Baron because everybody hates him so much that he automatically gets whoever is in the ring with him bigger and bigger cheers. What did you think about this match? No, you're, you know, you just said about um, the cheering, about the face turn is absolutely right because you noticed that uh, right before, like his last feud before he started in with Roman, he was actually uh, in with Dolph. I mean, sorry, not Dolph. With uh, with Drew McIntyre not too long ago, and then soon after, it's like, wait a minute. When's Drew a good... When's Drew a face? Like, <laughs> Drew kind of went a subtle face turn after that. But about the match, like you said, you're very much right, and as I was going back and really thinking about it, I have to put my personal dislike, and this actually goes to speak on uh, how good Baron Corbin actually is, because in as much as I don't like him, I'm realizing he is doing his job exceedingly well with making me, oh, what are you talking about? What are you doing? This, that, or the third. He consistently 
uh, elicits a response out of me, and that's all you want any real good uh, entertainer to do. And so he does that job very well. And, yes, in the ring, yeah, okay, you know, he's not going to uh, Dean Malenko you to death, but the man can go. The man can absolutely work in the ring and, you know, might work, everything on top, absolutely. You know, I, I can't believe that it took for – talking about this and discussing this um, before the show that it was like, wait a minute, I actually really like this guy. And as much as I think I hate him, this guy is actually doing phenomenal work. And he's kept me interested in somebody beating him up for the last couple of years. So this is going to be like the hottest take ever, but I actually think on the mic and with his persona and everything, he is the best heel, and I'm not talking about, like, X-Pac heat. I'm talking about true heat where you're going out there and you're purposely trying to get the audience to hate you oh, since Triple yes. H in his heyday because he is just – I mean, we're going on a two-year run where he is consistently booed louder than any wrestler in any promotion everywhere he goes. They've done a good job of – Keeping his character fresh with first the authority, and then they move to the king. And he's just I, – I, I tell people I am amazed at how good he is at his craft that night in and night out, he gets people to hate him. And if you watch, even if he's in a city that a crowd's dead or they're not anti him, all he's got to do is get on the mic for like five minutes. And next thing mm-hmm. you know, people are throwing stuff at him, screaming at him, and that's what wrestling needs in order to get guys really over. And he's just – he's an underrated MVP, you know, month after month in the days WWE. I absolutely agree with you. And it's like, – like I said, you know, you look back – I look back at what he's been working on, you know, these past couple of years, and it's like they made him king of the ring – to me, it was like, how do you make this guy of all time king of the ring? But then you look at the, he was feuding with Shorty G at the time, and it was like, this is exactly why. Because he's the guy that they can roll out there every week for you to be upset with. <laughs> and you can't and really ask for ticket. much more. I completely agree. Uh, So both of those guys would end up being in the men's rumble later. But first was the women's rumble. Uh, We'll go into detail here. Overall, it was okay. Charlotte was the winner. The final four were Shayna Blazer, who was the last – she was the 30th participant. You had Natalia, Beth Phoenix, and Charlotte Flair – uh, it came down to Flair and Baszler, which that was a, that was actually a nice moment where they kind of teased you of who would actually win. I wasn't sure, but I, I just thought it was very predictable. Uh, it's actually the third Rumble, really, outside of Becky's last year, and I think that was mostly intrigued. The women's Rumbles have not been that great, especially compared to how great women's wrestling is right now as a whole in WWE. And my biggest thing is I don't know where Sasha was in this uh i'm I'm assuming she's hurt i've I've read places that she is she hasn't wrestled in almost a month but i really thought this was going to be sasha's moment to creatives you know credit maybe it was going to be sasha's moment 
and she really legitimately too hurt to compete, and they had to make a late audible, and Charlotte was the decision. But it's just Charlotte is, in my opinion, the best wrestler, women's wrestler in the business, arguably one of the best wrestlers in the business, but she's already a 10-time champion. She's won everything. So does she really need to win the Rumble in that sense? I don't totally understand this booking. And I, I was a little disappointed with the match, too. What did what did you think overall? Well, uh, going off of what you said there, the only thing that Charlotte actually hasn't won, and that's only because of there being so few of them, was the Royal Rumble match. Um, with Sasha Banks, I'm going to have to assume she must have an injury. Like, you know, I know that on SmackDown last week they kind of played that up. Uh, I'm sorry, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, that they played it up that there was some sort of injury. And I'm wondering if they just are using that to uh, mask a more severe actual injury. So that's the only thing that I can think that would keep me that would keep Sasha out of this. Because quite honestly, uh, in terms of talent, she's one of the best that they've got out there. Um, she definitely knows how to get the crowd going and for her to miss this, that has to be the only thing. Um, going to Charlotte, um, I actually went into this assuming that Charlotte was going to win. Um, she, considering everyone that was uh, listed as coming into this event, there wasn't any that I could see really pushing for a main event at a mania than Charlotte would currently. Um, in as much as you got to love what the NXT women have been doing, especially over this past year, they have been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to touch on the uh, NXT women's uh, division later on once we uh, get to the winners and losers. But um, you would think that there would have been more um, coming out of the NXT guys, uh, out of the NXT gals, and there just really wasn't that to see and Charlotte you know outside of Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler my god Bianca Belair put in the work last night she was so amazing and I love how you know you look back over the past year what she's been she's been one of those gatekeepers she's one of the women that you kind of have to get through to get that title shot and you know for the t- 400-plus days that Shayna was holding on to the strap, Bianca was always right there in the mix or getting her title shot. So seeing that they put her on the biggest stage and gave her her shot and the way that she went out there and handled her business was a thing of beauty to me. I was a little disappointed with Shayna. I'm sorry if I'm going a little long here. No, 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 go Um, ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm a little disappointed with Shayna only that that was the way they had her taken out at the end because just like Bianca, she also had eight eliminations. And she just came in there and she beasted like six of those with before, you know, 90 seconds, something like that. So it was absolutely incredible. But the NXT women as a whole just didn't show up. They were just kind of there to be there. I don't know if this was kind of a cover for not being able to get as many of the legends to be able to come in, or if they were, you know, focusing on the future, but yeah, the the NXT ladies just kind of didn't show me as a whole 
outside of the two mentioned um, that they were ready for prime time, which is kind of strange because, you know, I really, like you, feel that they're the best in the business right now. And I think that they, they miss an opportunity from a storyline point with, as you were saying, I didn't like the way Charlotte won it. Uh, it just, with the year that Shayna's had and the badass that she was for the short time that she was in the Rumble, it seemed kind of weak that she would get eliminated mm. while Charlotte is literally holding on to the ropes with her legs. And I don't know if they botched it, and maybe that's why it looked a little sloppy. Uh, mm. But I just thought it was it was weird. Like, why not let those two go toe-to-toe, and then Charlotte can get the win. And then you have a storyline moving forward of, you know, Shayna's almost there. She's getting ready to come up. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with, but Charlotte is still right now the queen of WWE, and to me, it just seemed like they kind of rushed it, and then I, I wasn't really sure about Beth Phoenix and Natalia being two of the Final Four, unless it was just to give name recognition, uh, you know, to the Women's Rumble match, because, I mean, let's be honest, Natalia has not been in any storylines lately, and Beth Phoenix is obviously semi-retired, so I just thought, right. with all this young talent they have, why are you highlighting those two people. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say, too, that it was so good to see Naomi back. I, I forgot how good oh, she God, is. Yes. Uh, she can really go in the ring, and she has been really missed, and it, it's good to see her back in there doing what she does. I totally agree, and I was saying to my girlfriend, I was like, oh, well, of course Naomi is back. You know, the Usos just came back. You know, the at least one thing that you can say about WWE, if anything, is at least they don't split up their talent, forcing them to, you know, live separate lives. So, you know, being able to keep them always on the same brand as their significant others is definitely a bonus. It, you know, makes a working life a little bit easier for everyone. And with Naomi's return and being able to, you know, do what she does, provide us with some highlight reel uh, tap dancing, so to speak, around the ringside, it was absolutely fun to watch. Absolutely. So let's move on to the SmackDown women's title match. Uh, Bailey and, and Lacey Evans, I, the match was okay. I love, love Hill Bailey. I, I think it's not only one of the best turns that they've done in a long time, I just love how committed she is. I think she got bored with the hugger uh, character, and she seems to be really, really embracing this. And I see all the talent in the world in Lacey Evans. I, I just can't take her push seriously right now because she's a face. And she was just a heel when she was introduced, like, within the last year. That's this mm-hmm. awful, you know, heel. And it's where, again, you need to gradually change these characters and not just flip them, especially when it's somebody who has not been on the main roster long because – it's, you know, that, that I guess you call it that big show booking where it's like it's confusing because you can still remember <laughs> the terrible things that she's done, and now they're just kind of flipped the switch, and they did it without a lot of buildup, and it was just kind of because SmackDown didn't have any faces, and I just can't get behind her character right now because it's just been so rushed. And, and, and fairness to her, both times, she's had two title shots now on each brand, and I feel like she was rushed into both of them. And that's not fair to the character or, you know, the the person playing it that 
they they just they're basically shoved down your throat and they're there and they're gone. And I, I hope this doesn't stop her from becoming a bigger superstar in the future. No, I can fully agree with you because uh, I agree. It's very confusing. It's like like you said, she was this big, huge heel. Now all of a sudden, she's like. Uh, and this is what's been kind of kicking in the back of my mind for the better part of the last month. It's like a watered-down female Sergeant Slaughter all of a sudden. In that, yep, all of a sudden, you know, they're pushing her her service work, which we had known about from the actual beginning. So why now are we pushing this information? Like, we already known she had served. That was one of the first things you said. And we can see how athletically gifted she is. One of the things I noticed about her during that match is that you can definitely see she definitely needs a little more time. Like you said, she's been rushed into her title opportunities, and this one you can definitely see that she kind of gassed out towards the end. I mean, she pulled off her finisher where Bailey blocked, but like you saw, she was really gassed towards the end. But... Again, she did. They did put up a fantastic match, and I was actually pulling for her to win. But you know, Bailey and this new persona is kind of doing whatever you got to do to win. Like in this instance, holding the tights. You know, you got to love it because she's really fully embracing the whole heel turn and like the Charles Barkley, "I am not your role model" kind of thing, and it's awesome. It is, and it also. Just for me personally, when you change from a face to a heel or vice versa, how important is to change your look, your mannerisms, everything? And that's something she's done. She's changed, you know, her entrance music, her outfit, her hair, everything to where she's literally a different person on screen. And I just think for the audience, it makes it so much easier to invest. And getting back to the flip side of that, you look at Lacey Evans, I don't really see that much difference and her now, compared to the character just a few months ago, other than just the words coming out of her mouth, and that's not going to be enough. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, like you said, need a little more story buildup. Uh, can we get a little reference as to what's making her change her views, so to speak? It's all this, just all of a sudden, you know, Bailey and uh, – Sasha are just kind of running roughshod through the women's division and then, you know, they happen to introduce the daughter part and now all of a sudden she's a face and it's like, oh, wait, oh, well, okay, I remember the sassy Southern Belle having nasty things to say about every city that she went to and their lack of class. Only in the fall, what what, what happened? And it's uh, just a bigger problem with WWE, and it, we'll talk about it in detail a little bit more in a second, but it also goes with just their – I just think their preparation and long-term thinking, they don't do enough of it, and it, it hurts the characters, and there's so many talented wrestlers now that it's a shame that in a lot of circumstances, it's the difference of what you're given to work with and whether or not you get over. So. The next match, and I, I love this match. This could have been something out of the 80s or 90s. It was a strap match for the Universal title, Daniel Bryan versus The Fiend. It was probably my favorite match of the night. 
for those that have never seen it, a strap match is literally, and they used to do this back in the 80s, especially in WCW. I know Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and those guys had these kind of title matches, this blow-off, where they would literally strap the two guys together. So you could not run. This was typically for the cowardly heel. He couldn't get away from the baby <laughs> He wasn't going nowhere. And they beat the hell out of each other. And, I mean, both of these guys took so many flashes with that leather strap, which you could see literally on Daniel Bryan's back. Oh, and oh he yeah. Was leaving already the whelps. He's not feeling great today. And I just love the story that they told Daniel being the, you know, the never say die baby face who just kept mounting comeback after comeback. And that last, like last few minutes, I really thought, man, they're going to let Daniel win this. And then, of course, the theme being who he is right now, it didn't happen. But I thought it was a fantastic match. And I just wish they would do more things like this because I think that the guys would be willing to, you know, do matches we don't see every day. And it just kind of, you know, it's something different, which is cool. I can't remember the last time I saw a strap match. And nor can I. You know, and I bet if they were up for doing more things like that, they would have never lost John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose. You know, exactly. if they were giving him a little more creative liberty to do this match. The only thing that I can give a thumbs down to about this match was only because they didn't follow the original rules of the strap match, having to, you know, drag them to all four corners. Outside right. of that, match in itself, phenomenal. Like, they really beat the hell out of each other, literally, inside, outside the ring. Like, I, I like you, actually, for a moment, thought, like, wait, is Daniel actually going to win? Because we haven't really seen any chinks in the Fiend's armor as of yet, and Rambling Rabbit never got to actually tell us what the weakness was. So, right. you know, we, we actually got to see the Fiend, like, getting to a two count, for, for that matter, is even saying something. And the fact that, they, I mean, they put on a wonderful show. Daniel Bryan, I mean, for the longest time, Daniel puts up great shows. And, you know, always that underdog, you know, you're going to have to drag me out of the ring mentality was on full display last night. And they put on an excellent performance. I still cringe when he's in matches like this, though. Every time he takes a brutal bump. And I just don't know if I'm ever mm. going to be able to get past that with what he went through and knowing that, you know, and we'll have another guy in a minute we'll talk about that's mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. same boat. It's just like I don't want to see something bad happen. I mean, there was there was a couple of spots like I almost can't watch when it's Daniel Bryan because I'm just worried it's going to be like the last bump he takes. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I thought it was amazing. Um, when the fiend caught him out of the running knees into the sister Abigail, oh, yeah. even though that was even though that was far from the worst bump he took that match, it was it was just great great cinema. Uh, WWE for the most part put on a pretty good show here. I was very impressed, and I was up till the wee hours of the morning trying to make sure I finished. And and the fiend's entrances are just must see. I can't wait for Mania to see what he does because. Each one has gotten a little bit better, a little bit creepier, and it's, you know, that's obviously Mania is the biggest entrance uh, a guy will have all year. I'm very excited to see where he goes from there. So next was 
arguably the other match of the night, uh, Becky Lynch versus Asuka for the Raw Women's title. It was an unbelievable build uh, to this match. Like, again, storytelling, it matters so much. Becky has gotten a little stale, and I'm one of Becky's biggest fans because she's been so dominant. That's what happens. It happens to Cena. It happens to Roman. It happens to everybody. So what do you do? You find the one person that's the kryptonite, and Asuka has been that person. She had never beat her. She lost to her at the Rumble last year. That was actually really the last time she lost cleanly, I believe, in a year. Uh, And then she's lost a few times on Raw and stuff to her. They did a fantastic build to it. Both of these women can just flat out go in the ring. They're great storytellers. This was another match that I really thought many times Asuka was going to win. Becky did end up pulling away with the victory. I thought it was really cool how they brought the Miss in, which has been Asuka's biggest weapon uh, during this latest run. And, you know, she kicked her in the stomach. The Mist actually shot off in Asuka's face, put her in the disarmor, and it was over. Uh, I think this match was hurt a little bit by following that great strap match, but I thought it was just a fantastic <laughs> match. I, I would sign up now for these two to fight again at WrestleMania. I know it's probably not going to happen. What, what did you think about this match? Uh, I agree with you, man. They put on one heck of a barn burner. And honestly, I've been a big Asuka fan for a, for a while now. You know, when she got her call up, they kind of forced her into a similar situation like they did with Lacey, where they put her in with Charlotte uh, for the title match a couple of years ago at WrestleMania. And it was too much too soon. You know, she had just gotten finished uh, doing thing in NXT and she's getting called up, you know, give her time to still develop, but you know, that, that winning streak that she had had kind of made it so that they wanted to kind of thrust her into the limelight. That said, this past year, I'm very happy that she started to get a little more of the limelight. And instead of them worrying about, um, can she be more relatable to the fans because of the uh, language barrier, they're just letting her and Kyrie just go on and, you know, talk their crap in Japanese and just go with it. Okay, yeah, we don't understand, but you can honestly see from the way she her body is and depending on what was said that you can tell she's kind of, you know, going back and forth. It's just we're not understanding what she's saying. So it was absolutely phenomenal to have her back into a main event uh, match like this. So true that uh, maybe they should have held the theme and Daniel Bryan until right before the men's rumble, since that's how you were going to walk the show off. But um, absolutely put on a phenomenal performance. Me personally, I'm not a huge fan of the mist for some reason. And I was a guy who grew up with, you know, the great Kabuki and the great Muda. And so I'm, okay. I'm a big fan of, of that stick, but there's something about, the overuse of it, maybe, that that's kind of bugging me. I mean, Asuka is a phenomenal striker. Why are we, uh, why are we diluting her to needing some sort of gimmick to win when she's more than enough fighter to do it on her own? That's about the I agree. I really had with that. The only thing I'd say, though, is just, like, I, I love the great Muda. And I was young. I mean, like, when Muda was fighting Flair and stuff, like, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s, I, I, was, I was just a kid. But 
he used it all the time. You know? <laughs> and I, and I think it's just more of a just a you know she's a heel right now, and that's you know what I'm saying. That's just <laughs> what unfortunately in WWE's heels have to cheat to win nine times out of ten, and you know faces have to to do it the right way. I'm I'm more pumped that, and I wish they would do this more with other guys. And and I say guys because I especially mean on the man's side. Take somebody mm-hmm. who has gotten knocked down a few pegs and team them up with another person that is of significance. You look at like Randy Orton and Edge in the Men's Rumble. There's storylines that can play out so easily by pairing together big names together, especially when they don't have much to do. And they've done a wonderful mm-hmm. job with Asuka. They've created another star in Kari Sane. And eventually they're going to split. And whether one of them is the face of the hill, whatever that ends up being, they've just they've created so many storyline arcs. I mean, Asuka is still fighting for the women's title while she's a tag team champion. Like, I wish they would do more of this. They did it a lot back in the old days. And now it's like mm-hmm. once you become a singles wrestler, God forbid you get back in the tag team division. I think it's just an instant storyline. I wish they would do more of it, especially on the guy side. No, you're absolutely right about that. And the unfortunate part is that they took your uh, your idea right there, and they have pulled it off recently. Unfortunately, they did it in a way that I don't really agree with, because look at what they did with Buddy Murphy. Of course, he had these great matches going with Aleister Black for the better part of the last two months. And then all of a sudden, you know, he can't seem to get through this. He can't seem to get a victory. And then the next week, he's a tag team champion with Seth Rollins? Like, yeah, how? No setup. No nothing. Exactly. No setup. None. And you have a tag team in your stable. So that, that's the only thing that kind of messed me up about it. But, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They definitely should be reaching down and going into more of these kind of things where, I don't know, you can almost see as – if they were to introduce someone else to be, say, feuding with Shinsuke currently instead right. of Braun Strowman. Um, you know, that would be a time where, yeah, you know, Shin already has his entourage, and the guy who can't seem to get past Shin could call in for help or something like that. But that would be a great thing for them to do. It's just the one time they do it, they misplace it, and I think they drop the ball. And Bernie Murphy is honestly – even though he's been losing all those matches to Aleister Black, he's been looking phenomenal in the ring. And it's one of those deals where you think, and at least I hope that him being paired with Seth and being part of that group is, I'm hoping they're leading for him eventually, you know, to break out of it and turn face and this whole storyline. But it's just, I worry that there's not a lot of long-term thought or booking into it. And it's more just like somebody with clout, events, whoever wants more Buddy Murphy. So let's pair him with Seth Rollins and make him tag team champions when it's like you already have a tag team in the same stable that needs the tag team belts way more than you guys they definitely do, do to legitimize this. And it, it just – that's the kind of decisions that drive you crazy. But we were uh, – at least for the pay-per-view, we're going to finish with a match that they deserve a lot of credit, in my opinion, for the way it was booked. The Men's Royal Rumble, it was the best one I've seen in a long time. I'd have to actually go back and watch other Rumbles to know exactly where I rank it, but it's definitely the best one in the last five to ten years. 
Drew McIntyre was eventually the winner. It was basically two Royal Rumbles. You had Brock Lesnar starting out at one, <laughs> and for the first 13 guys, he tossed them all out of the ring, mm. one by one with the exception of Kofi, Big E, and Rey Mysterio. After that, after he was eliminated by Ricochet and McIntyre, which it, they deserve credit that Ricochet was low-blowed by Brock on the last Raw, they come full circle. He does the same to Brock, leading to the Claymore that eliminates him. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think McIntyre was going to win when he claymored him over the top ropes. I was like, okay, there's your storyline. It's going to be McIntyre and Brock, especially the way he stared at him. The, I mean, God, it seemed yeah. like for an eternity after he was eliminated, which was great. And the crowd loved it. And that was another thing. I saw a lot of people saying, well, the first half was boring. It was meant to be. They wanted you pissed off. They wanted you thinking this is boring. Because in that way, when McIntyre eliminated Brock, you went nuts. Because it's like, yes, mm-hmm. now let's get to a normal wrestling match. And in the second half, they did a really good job, I thought, of uh, you know mingling new stars with the older guys, and then, of course, Edge coming in at 21. Even though I had read and heard a lot of stuff, it was obviously a very cool moment. I mean, it's been a decade practically since this guy was in a ring. I actually just started to get back into wrestling uh, right around the time he retired uh, after about a five-, six-year hiatus. So it was really cool to see him come back, and he looked Great. He looked honestly better physically than he did during his last run. Like even mm. Randy Orton was messing with him when they're in the ring, going, "You got abs now. Like what is that?" <laughs> uh, and uh, the back half of the Rumble was really competitive and crowded. You had names like Styles, Reigns, Orton, Rollins, KO, Samoa Joe, and then obviously Edge. The final four came down to Edge, Orton, Reigns, and McIntyre. Uh, McIntyre would eliminate Reigns, which, again, Reigns is an MVP. Like, people don't realize he is already the John Cena of this generation Mm -hmm. in the sense that Mm -hmm. he's always there because they need that guy. So you think that he's going to win, so it's a surprise, and you will cheer when the other guy does because you know and I know and everybody knows watching. When it came down to those four, you were like, damn, Roman Reigns is going to win this Royal Rumble again. Even though he's only mm. won it once, and now he's been, I think, the runner right. four times. But that wow, is I didn't realize. that is using a guy. Well, I, I'm pretty sure because I know that he was runner up uh, last year. He was a runner up to, I believe, Sheamus, and uh, I believe he was a runner up one of the time. I know they said it was either three or four times going into last night. He had been the runner up, and then obviously was again. But I think this is a great moment for McIntyre. They, this is what WWE needs to do. They they booked the Royal Rumble is such an opportunity to book so many different storylines. They did a very good job of that. Even the Seth Rollins, KO, Samoa Joe thing is going to continue. The potential of I guess the Edge Randy Orton Mania match. There's a lot of ways to go with this. It was fantastic. What did you think of the Men's Rumble? Oh my God, yeah, like you, I you know thought it was kind of. You know, going to be a little bit of a snooze fest. You thought that, like, man, is Brock really just going to kind of brody his way through everybody? You know, I was disappointed at the fact that uh, Keith Lee didn't really get that much uh, of a shine. But you figure that it's likely because the plans for him are, you know, straight NXT. You know, of course, he just captured the North American title. You got to assume in another year or so he's going to be one of the guys fighting for for Goldie, as so. Uh, famously called 
But, yes, the second half of this match was just so great. The way that even the guys were telling the stories with each other, uh, with Edge and Orton, kind of you can see them uh, communicating and going back to their old tag team work and just everything. You got, you got a little bit of nostalgia. You got the action. Let me tell you something. Like, I knew Drew McIntyre was a big guy. And like you kind of get thrown off, you kind of get thrown off because you know I think they only announced him at like two sixty five, two seventy, and then you saw him stand next to Brock, who we know is six five, just short of three hundred, and it's like, huh, this actually will it, work. Just he's the chosen one for a look at these reason. Two, but oh yeah, oh yeah, and like you saw them together, and I was like, wow. Yeah, so you can definitely see where that should be a very interesting storyline. I can't wait to turn the DVR on tonight to see what happens. Um, goodness, uh, KO and Samoa Joe, both uh, you, you got to love both of those guys. I mean, Samoa Joe with his first uh, face run, basically, in, in WWE, and you can see that it could be like any given moment he could go back and forth, but you saw them like, hey, we have our thing going on, but this is the Royal Rumble. Let's go. And they just started right. going at it. It was beautiful, beautiful work by all those guys. And seeing Drew's reaction when uh, after he hit that Claymore and eliminated Roman, oh, my God, you got to love the elation when you see a wrestler. You know, yes, of course, it's predetermined and – you know, you know how the spotlight goes, but seeing him like, I got my moment, and you literally saw the Scottish psychopath almost tearing up <laughs> in the middle of the ring. It, it was a, it was just a great a great send off to a pretty decent card. And he's and for those that don't know, I mean, he was literally Vince's hand chosen guy when he first got to WWE. It did not work out. He ended up being basically a jobber with Jinder Mahal, part of the 3MB band, right? Wasn't that who it was? Oh, my God, and, yes. Yes, oh, my and, God. And, I mean, had to leave, went to the Indies, went back through NXT, and to see him back. And, and to further your point, like I saw some photos today of him, and, again, he was in his probably mid to early 20s at this point, and now he's in his 30s. But, good Lord, he has – gotten so big to the point where, as you were saying, when he's standing next to Brock Lesnar, it's not like, well, Brock's just going to destroy this dude. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was really well done. I will say, though, there were three guys in the Rumble that I was – or actually four – that I was really disappointed uh, with what they did. And I was glad you mentioned Keith Lee and Braun Strowman. I I, I don't understand why you're even going to have them in the Rumble if you're going to do that for them because I don't think that does anything for either one of them. And for Braun Strowman, the one thing that angers me about the Drew McIntyre thing is it's like, okay, you pulled the trigger on Drew. Why in the world did you not pull the trigger on Braun Strowman? He was way more over than Drew has ever been, and they won't give him this kind of opportunity. Uh, And then the other two is just I'm so tired of them disrespecting Kofi. I mean, like when he came in, I really got excited (laughs) thinking, okay, he's going to eliminate Brock. This is finally going to be some payback for him basically having a year title run and it ending in 15 seconds. And then he just kind of got unceremonially thrown over the top rope. 
And the same for Big E, who I, I think the world of. I know RC, if, as we've discussed with him before on this podcast, is not a big B, Big E fan. I am. I think he could be like the biggest guy in WWE, but they just won't book him that way. And for those four guys, I just don't understand why you even give them a role in the match if that's how you're going to use them when you could have just not had them in the match. Like, it's there's enough guys to where they could have got away with it. Is there any other that stand out to you that, you know, you were upset with the way they used or they, they obviously stood out for you in a good way? Yeah, no, well, you, you hit a good point, and I want to kind of go uh, on the Braun Strowman thing just another moment. Um, sure. Wasn't there supposed to be an Intercontinental title match on this card? I thought so, but I'm not going to lie. I haven't been paying as much attention in the last week or two, so I wasn't sure if that was just something that they had done in storyline where they had mentioned it or if it was something where they had actually like advertised this match is going to take place. Well, if I had remembered correctly, and I could be wrong, I could have swore that him beating uh, Shin in the non-title match a couple of weeks ago, and I thought that oh, they no, were going to book right. it. Thought they were going to book it at the Rumble, and then all of a sudden I kept looking for that match, and I'm like, like I, I went looking through again today, and I went like fast forwarded through the entire Rumble again. I'm like, what what happened to that match? And maybe I just misunderstood, and it's supposed to be on Raw coming up. I don't know. Um, back to Mrs. Um, they kind of done a little more with Ricochet. Um, Rey Mysterio, they didn't really do much with either. I mean, yes, they threw him in early and had, you know, him and Kofi just kind of getting ragdolled by Brock. But it's like, you know, you've got a lot of talent, and yet you don't necessarily always utilize it correctly. But all in all, the, I thought the Rumble was pretty damn good. Like I said, I thought it was the best one that they've had in God knows how long. And the main reason, again, was there was a purpose. And you could tell, I mean, when they said they were going to have Brock coming out first, at first I was kind of like, where in the world are they going with this? But, like, kudos to them because not only did they have Brock come out first, him, you know, reestablish, he is still the biggest, baddest dude on either brand right now. And then have not only McIntyre take him out, but to pay it off by him then winning the Rumble, and then I'm sure tonight he's going to come on Raw and challenge him at Mania for the belt. Like, that is – like, that's how you do it. That is how you that's make a star. Absolutely. Exactly. And and McIntyre, I hope, is able to take advantage of this. So let's go through just some winners and losers from the pod, or excuse me, from the podcast, from the Royal Rumble <laughs> last night. I'm going to start and just give some uh, – and, you know – you do the same after I'll, I'll just go through a few winners first and let you go. Obviously, Drew McIntyre, we just went through all of that. Uh, Edge is on my list because, I mean, he wrestled for the first time in a decade. He looked great. I think from everything I read today, he's going to, you know, at least wrestle some kind of schedule moving forward, which we're the fans or winners in that. Uh, Roman Reigns, again, just because I think people underestimate uh, how much this guy means to the company. And the fact that he just beat cancer uh, within the last mm. like year, like I mean, it, it's mm. it's great to see him out there. And and then Charlotte and Naomi are definitely big time winners. Charlotte because she's, I mean, she is John Cena. You know, we talk about Roman Reigns. Charlotte's John Cena. She wins everything. <laughs> and Naomi for coming back because she's literally one of those stars that I've forgotten how much 
I enjoyed her being around and watching her wrestle. Who are some of your winners? My winners, uh, Bianca Belair, like like I was saying earlier during the, the, the Rumble overview, um, the way she just kind of started out with Alexa Bliss and beasted through, like at least she held it down for the rest of the for the rest of the NXT women. Unfortunately, on my loser side, I would probably have to say that the NXT women as a whole go in there. You know, we had uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, two people who are feuding. They didn't even share time in the ring together. Mia Yim was, eh. you know, a lot of the girls who put on such great matches, especially considering from that War Games pay-per-view a couple of months ago, we saw how they did at the Survivor Series and now all of a sudden, you just kind of have them come in and flop. I, I was I was highly disappointed with the majority of the roster, with the exception of Shayna and, and Bianca. Um, other winners, though, honestly, even in a losing effort, Asuka was still you know mm-hmm. she showed her value. The the girl can just go, and having her with Kyrie Sane, like I, I don't know how they plan on making her more uh, palatable for for the masses. Like, I don't know if they have to necessarily get her and, you know, an interpreter or something, but Asuka to me is so over. And even in a losing effort, she put up a phenomenal match. I I completely agree there. Uh, You know, some of the losers I had for the match, and Sasha, I had her on the list, but I'm going to take her off because if she's legit injured, I don't want to. But I just, to me, there should have been more made out of it, and that's on WWE. That's not on her. I spoke about Lacey Evans. I definitely think she belongs on that list. And, again, that's, again, her character. It's not so much her, the performer. Uh, Hmm. And something needs to be said for the NXT stars. You were just talking about Ricochet, Aleister Black. These guys were huge names coming out of NXT and you're starting to see a pattern that really worries me that these guys get called up and then they're basically not used and they're not anything compared to what they were and I know it's different Uh, RC has reminded me many times there's a big difference from being popular in NXT and a big you know difference in being popular in WWE and that's very fair and it's a very true comment but you got to book them in order for them to be over. And so mm-hmm. if you don't make them seem like a big deal, they're not going to be. And both of those guys, as you were saying, had very short stints. And, like, un- the, the worst part is they were unmemorable. You're not going to remember that they were even in the Rumble a few years down the road. Maybe Ricochet because of the low blow. And then the other one is That's just it. Seth Rollins. I'm glad he's back to being a heel because I think that's just naturally what he's best at. Mm. But mm-hmm. I thought he was really wasted coming in 30th. I hope we're not going to get back into this Seth Rollins where he's constantly having to get interference from other people to win matches, because it's like we just went through. This guy's beat Brock Lesnar multiple times. Twice like, in a calendar he year. He doesn't need all the help, right? Like he doesn't need three guys to eliminate a few people from the Rumble. I get to a certain extent, but if you look at it, he came down. He had the help. Things were going good. The minute his buddies got basically kicked out, he was eliminated two seconds later. Mm-hmm. I just 
let's remember who Seth Rollins is. He's a past champion. They do this when he's a heel, and he's such a good natural heel that it's like he can still be good at wrestling and be a heel. They do it with AJ Styles. I don't understand why with Seth Rollins he has to be like the sniveling, you know, I need help to win every match heel. That bothers me. That's more, though, just on my end. Do you have any more winners or losers? No, you've actually covered them pretty good um, for for the exact same reasons. Like you said, we know Seth can go. Seth, honestly, has been the face of Monday Night. Like, it, it, him calling it Monday Night Rollins was no stretch. Like, between him, um, what guys like uh, The Miz and Ziggler were doing, when, and and Seth when they were feuding over the IC title a couple of years ago, great work great work of course Seth Mr. Monday Night you know they had him become the beast slayer he's now a Mr. Everything champion and now yeah he he, it's like he's Draco Malfoy all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) uh before we close out this podcast you know we're in mania season that's the main reason I love the Royal Rumble is it, it basically starts this mad dash to WrestleMania. I'm going to go through a couple of matches that I think we can go ahead and book. And one thing I will give WWE credit for now, I will not say this if it's a month and we only have this few matches that are pretty much set in stone. But as of right now, they are leaving things open, which I actually agree up until about four to five weeks before. So we're guaranteed, right, we're getting Brock McIntyre. That, that's happening, right? You there? All right, I'm not sure if I lost my co-host briefly, but uh, we're, we're going to get no. Brock I'm McIntyre. sorry. No, you're good. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go right ahead. I didn't realize that when I reached into my pocket, I had hit the mute button on my phone. You are all right, man. So we're going to get Brock McIntyre. Is basically what I'm saying. That's happening, right? Oh, for sure. For sure, especially okay. with the way, like you said, uh, uh, after the two eliminations, after he eliminated Brock, he would go back to just staring Brock down. Brock was kind of just waiting to see, you know, what was happening before he finally, you know, tucked tail and left left the ringside. There's no way that they don't book that match right now. Okay. So the next one that I think is definitely going to happen, are we going to get Roman Reigns versus The Fiend? <sighs> See, that one, I don't know. I don't know what the plan uh, – I, I really don't know where we're going to go with the scene. Um, uh, is, is he and Daniel actually done? Because, you know, you know, they like to stretch out a good feud even if it's one-sided. But I'm not certain where they're planning on going with the universal title. I just can't see Reigns not winning the Elimination Chamber this next pay-per-view, and then obviously that's going to give him a title shot, and we know we're not going to get Reigns-Brock. I just, I, I mean, I hope that's actually not the way they go. I hope they get creative with this because they're going to get Roman into the same things that get some booed over and over again where you have this, yes, The Fiend is a heel, but he's a very over-heel, and then you're going he's to put Roman Reigns against him. Exactly, and then, of course, Roman's going to win, and then people are going to boo, and then people are like, you know, Roman sucks, and it's like, it's just bad booking, but I think that's 
where we're going. Now, on the girl side and this, or excuse me, lady side, and this is where I actually originally thought, well, we're going to get Charlotte Becky, but then everything I've read today is you're probably going to get Becky Shayna Blazer, Baszler. Which do you think is going wow. to happen for Becky? Wow. Well, for her sake, I hope she gets Charlotte, even though Charlotte's the better wrestler, mind you. Shayna, from what she's been showing this last year, has been absolutely beastly. I mean, look at the effort that it took just to get the strap off of her. So you kind of knew that once she got her call up, she was going to come in there, you know, red hot, and she's probably going to hurt somebody. <laughs> and so I would hope for her, for Becky's sake that maybe she gets Charlotte because at least it's the devil she knows. Right. The other the, the other reason I've been reading this is most people believe Ronda's going to reappear at Mania. Wouldn't it be something if Becky's fighting Baszler and either she beats Baszler, Ronda shows up, or Ronda shows up and helps Baszler win the title and basically starts mm-hmm. their feud again. So I could definitely see that. I had already penciled in Sasha versus Bailey. I, I thought that when Bailey got the title, this is what we were working towards. Because of the injury, I mean, I guess we're assuming that's what it is. I don't know. But who else is Bailey going to fight for the title unless it is Charlotte? And I guess if they're going to go Baszler versus Becky, would that mean I guess Charlotte would, would choose that she's going to fight Bailey, right? That would be the only sensible thing. But the thing is, is that, you know, we don't know exactly how they're going to, how they're going to work this story up. Um I mean, Charlotte. Which would you rather see? Uh, Let's put it that way. Which would I rather see? If I were to really think about it right now, honestly, I would love to see Becky and Charlotte again because I mean, the triple threat with Ronda last year, and almost any time you've seen, you know, um, Becky and Charlotte together. Those two girls can go. You know, they've been doing it since NXT, and they can put on quite the show. But, uh, yeah, I think I'd rather see Becky and Charlotte and then let Shayna just come in and finish the job that she had started last year when they had uh, started feuding before the Survivor Series match and take out uh, Bailey. All right, so any other matches? Because like, those are the only ones I have that I think are in stone. Uh, are there any other matches that you either, A, want to see, or, B, you think we are heading towards more than likely? None that I can think of off the top of my head currently. So I'm sorry, there is one more, actually, I think we're definitely getting. It's some kind of iteration, whether it be – Rollins and Buddy versus KO and Samoa Joe, just like for the tag team titles, or if it's a four on four deal where they bring in other guys, you're gonna don't you think we're probably gonna get some kind of end to that story because they yeah. really haven't they they've kind of started it but they haven't finished it. Right, yeah. So you figure there's got to be some sort of completion to that. I hope they don't go the eight man route. Quite honestly, but then again, I guess they probably could. If, say, the Viking Raiders were to, say, feud with AOP, but again, back to what you were saying about bad booking, here's where they missed the 
where they dropped the ball, where they could have been booking AOP and Viking Raiders for a tag team title feud for the next couple of months, and it would have been glorious. And they need to think about this stuff. So uh, I think that's about it. I think we covered everything. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug, or other than just thank you for coming on the podcast? Uh, we no, man. On I, I, no, I do appreciate you guys having me. Um, I kind of just said, hey, if you needed a hand, I didn't actually think anything of it. So I, I really do appreciate you having, having me on because I do love talking wrestling. I, I don't watch much television these days, but, you know, I do make sure I get my uh, sports entertainment fix in. So, uh, again, well, thank you so much, Keith. No, I appreciate it, and we'll have to do this again because uh, I, I really do. Me and uh, RC have been talking, and we, we would like to get where we do at least sort of the, you know, the pay-per-views or big pay-per-views, uh, a recap. So I, I would love to have you on again. And then, obviously, uh, me and IB Yeezus, I just call him Alan, will have another uh, edition of the Backdoor Cover. Uh, tomorrow night, we will be doing Super Bowl props. I think that's basically all we're going to cover this week because there are so many Super Bowl props we want to discuss. It's our weekly gambling podcast. Please follow the IB podcast feed on iTunes, uh, any of the places that you can follow and get your podcast. You will uh, get football, basketball. There, there's there's all kinds of great podcasts and content on there. And, again, Ron, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I'm excited to see where we're all goes tonight. Absolutely. Me too, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. You too, man. I know. All right, guys, this has been a Royal Rumble 2020 recap on the IB Sports podcast feed. Uh, I was your host, Keith Fleming. I want to thank Ronnell again for calling in. And like I said, I will be with Alan tomorrow night for the backdoor cover. We'll be doing Super Bowl preps, uh, props. Please be sure to like the Facebook page, the Ivy Sports Group. Uh, they have a Twitter handle. Please be sure to follow that and support the brand. Uh, be an all-star member, and we will see you when we see you. <laughs>